Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. And now a message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, once again, we're glad that you're joining us. Those joining us by live stream or listening to our podcast. At this point, we are 26 days away from Christmas. Wow. 26 days. I hope you're getting excited because, I mean, it is literally upon us. Well, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Obviously, for us as Christians, as believers, this is the highlight for us, you know, Jesus being born into the world. And, there, you know, there's so much nostalgia this time of the year. I love it. Uh, you know, the Christmas production that we're doing and all centering around Jesus. But then, you know, we think about one of, one of the things that w- we do in our family, and I'm sure a lot of you do. We read the Christmas story on Christmas morning, uh, usually out of Luke chapter 2. But it's always fun watching Christmas movies together. All the different movies uh, that we get together and watch and the parties and giving gifts and receiving gifts. And, you know, there's there's a lot of celebrating. And and I'll tell you, we celebrate here. I mean, we we celebrate a lot. And as a matter of fact, we, we celebrate so much that it can almost feel like it's too much. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and not, not that it is, but it can feel like it. It can feel like it. And, you know, shopping and, and buying gifts and, and, you know, getting for everyone. And, and, you know, that can cause you to worry about money. And, you know, this is going to cost so much. And am I going to be able to afford to do Christmas and, and parties and more parties and getting together with family? And you've got the in-laws, but then you also have the outlaws and, you know, and then we got people in our family, they don't really know who they are or what they want to be, and, and then we've got others that aren't saved, and, you know, and, and that's just life. And we're all exposed to that. You know, each one of us, you know, let's, it, it would be great if it was just all perfect and everything just lined up, and we didn't have anything that we had to deal with like that at Christmas. But the fact of the matter, we're people, and we live in a real world, and, and we're imperfect, and that, that's just part of what comes with Christmas. And, and, and Christmas, if you're not careful, can be overwhelming for you. It can be emotionally difficult for you. You know, Josh talked Sunday. If you didn't get to hear Josh's message, it was so good. But one of the things that he talked about kind of toward the end of his message is uh, for him, for example, Christmas was a difficult time for him for many Christmases. He, you know, he was even saying, you know, I'm just now kind of getting to the point that Christmas is good for me. And it, it is a celebration for me just because of negative things that accompanied Christmas, his upbringing, kind of, I guess, you know, some PTSD, really, that, that went along with his upbringing. And, you know, one of, one of the things that we want for our church members is we want you to thrive. We want you to thrive, and especially this time of the year, we want you to thrive. You know, the title of my message is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. That's the title of my message, and that's what we want for everybody. We want everybody to have a merry Christmas time in their life, and, and you know, your, your health and wellness is a big part of you enjoying Christmas time, and your health and wellness is a big part of you just enjoying life in general, you know, and I, I want to talk about some things tonight that do have to do with health and wellness, but not just health and wellness during the Christmas season, but also just all year long that we walk in the abundant life that Jesus died for us to walk in. So I just want to take a few minutes, and I'm going to give some advice. I'm going to uh, talk about how to stay merry during this season, and, um, and, and it's a busy time of the year. But I want to give you a little strategy. I want to give you kind of an overall strategy, though, not just for Christmas time, but just for life, just you know, we, what we preach here at our church is a practical application of the Bible. And it's not coming to church isn't going to be something that is non-applicable for you. We want when you come here and you listen that you can walk out of here and you can use and put into practice what was preached. Amen? Now, let me just say this before I get into my content that I want to unpack. I'm not a doctor. 
I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, I'm just me. Uh, I'm a pastor um, and I'm a person who's wanting to give you some advice, some helpful advice. But don't put me in a place of being something that I'm not, okay? And I'm, and I'm not even gonna pretend or assume that I am because that's not what I am. I'm just giving some advice from the Word of God that can help all of us. Amen? Now, when it comes to overall health and wellness, everything that you take into your life, everything, social media, movies, music, food, drink, friends, relationships, advice, all of this influences you. It influences you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Amen? And, and we have to understand that. Now, with that in mind, here's kind of the, the foundation that I want to lay. So if you're a teen in here tonight, and we probably don't have many because we have our youth and all that going on on our Wednesday night, but if, if you're a teen, this would be your thought. Everything that you allow into your life, you do it with the 40-year-old you in mind. Now, if you've passed 40, then you're going to, everything that you allow into your life, okay, all the intake that comes into your life, you do it with the future version of yourself in mind. Does that make sense? Everything that you do. And, and I want to specifically talk a little bit about anxiety and stress and depression because just statistically, this time of the year is when that is at an all-time high, sadly, but it is. And, and it is because there's a lot of stuff going on. There are a lot of financial pressures. There's family coming together that you're not normally around throughout the year. And, and you know, there's underlying friction and there's things that, and there's travel and there's just all kinds of stuff that goes along with Christmas time. Now, it's important that we understand John 10, 10, the thief, the thief, we have a thief. His job is to make your Christmas terrible. That's his goal. He, he wants to make you grouchy. He wants to make you ungrateful. He wants to make you selfish. He wants to make you, you know, very into yourself and not want to be around people. He, you know, basically, he just wants to turn you into the Scrooge and make you a grouchy person, an unhappy person. That's the enemy's goal for all of us, obviously. There's a thief, and he wants to rob us of a rich, satisfying life that Jesus came to give us. You know, the angels, they, they announced it, you know, peace, peace and goodwill to all men. That was what Jesus was ushering in. That was what he was bringing to us. So we have to be reminded that there is a Savior, and he was born into the world, and he came, and he lived his life, and he sacrificed his life, and he spoke truth to us, and he brought God near to us. And then when he left us, he sent the Helper, amen, the Holy Spirit, who now resides with us every day, and he empowers us and comforts us and equips us and helps us in every area of our life. And it's important for us to know and, and I, I want to make sure we know this. God did not birth any of us into this world so that we would live captive to anxiety and depression our whole life. That's not God's plan for us. God's plan for us is that we walk in peace and joy and happiness and the blessing that Jesus came to bring us in the midst of a fallen world that we live in in the midst of all the problems that we face every day, in the midst of stressful situations that we do find ourselves in from time to time. Now, let, let me just say, I understand anxiety is very real. Real, it's real. Anxiety disorders are, well, especially this time of the year, but in the U.S., it is the most common mental illness that there is, anxiety. So it's, it's very real. And I understand that depression is real. 
And I also understand that you can be a Christian and you can fight anxiety and you can fight depression. Just because you get born again doesn't exempt you from those types of things trying to control and dominate your life. That's what sin tries to do to us. So we're aware of this. And, and, as, and let me just say this, as a pastor and a Christian, I have had to battle depression. Now, anxiety for me really has not been something that I've really had to battle. I never really experienced that in my young adult years, just to be honest with you, that wasn't something. Now that I've gotten a little bit older and the chemicals in my body are beginning to change at age of 50, I've had a couple of bouts with that. So that's kind of helped me be a little more empathetic toward people, you know, who deal with this type of issue. But here's an idea that goes against the grain of culture. There's a way out of anxiety and there's a way out of depression. And that goes against the grain. People don't like hearing that preached for a lot of different reasons, and I'm not going to get into that. But the world will tell you that you have to live with anxiety and you have to live with depression all your life. And the main answer that they have for treating anxiety and depression is what? Medication. Now, let me say I am not against medication. I'm not here to condemn anybody or make anybody feel bad. I take medication. I take medication for my blood sugar. If I get a headache, I'll take some ibuprofen. So, so I'm not preaching anti-medication. But what I am preaching is pro-Holy Spirit, pro-Jesus. That's what I'm preaching. So all, all of the commercials that play late at night about medications for depression, and you know, and I've, you know, I've lived long enough that I've watched these commercials over the last 25 years, and I've watched how they've evolved. <clears throat> and it's, it's really interesting. You know, it's almost like now they make mini movies as they advertise medications. And now they have supplements to your antidepressant medication. And they have supplements to your anxiety medication. And you, and you have to understand, and especially you young adults in the room and all of you young adults that are listening, you have to understand something. Big Pharma is not looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. And all of those commercials and the stuff that plays, it's all about one thing. It's about the bottom dollar. It's about how much money can we pad our pockets with. Now, I'm not saying that your doctor has that motivation, but we have to understand, like I said, going back to the very beginning, everything that we take into our life, we have to do it with this in mind, the future version of you. The future version of you. And like I said, I'm not against medication, but many of these medications are merely a Band-Aid. Medication can't heal you. It can't rid you of anxiety, and it can't rid you of depression. They, they, and they don't even make those claims. As a matter of fact, their ultimate goal is to get you on their medication and to keep you on their medication. So, so let, me just, let me give us some facts and some myths here that I think can be helpful for us because, you know, sometimes myths get turned into facts, and, you know, we begin to believe things that, aren't true. And how do we know whether or not they're true? Well, the way you know that something is a lie is you look at the truth. And for us as believers, the Word is truth. The Word is our standard. The Word is our guide. The Word is what we go to. The Word is what, that, what steers our life. So let me just give you the first myth. The first myth, and I've heard this, Anxiety and depression runs in my family. It runs in my family. Okay, here's a fact. That may be true in the natural. Alcoholism can run in your family. Anxiety can run in your family. Depression can run in your family. That may be a fact, but we are no longer under the curse. Amen? As believers, and I want to give you some scriptures to back what I'm saying. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus took the curse of this fallen world 
and all the depression and the anxiety and all of the yuck and the awful dark stuff that comes with this world, he took that upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So just because it runs in your family doesn't mean you're going to automatically live under anxiety and depression. Listen, alcoholism runs all through my family. I'm not an alcoholic. I got set free from that curse. Depression, it runs in my family. It has been a big, my family is, a lot of my family has been dysfunctional and has dealt with depression. I don't live with depression. I have been set free from the curse of the law. Now, how do I know that? Well, I look at what the Word says. I mean, it doesn't mean it automatically has to be you just because it runs in your family is what I'm saying. Don't let that label be put on you. Myth number two. People with anxiety should avoid stressful situations. I've heard this. People with anxiety should avoid stressful situations. Well, here's the fact. Stress is unavoidable. The only way that you're going to avoid stress is you come a, become a hermit that just crawls up in a corner of some room somewhere and you do absolutely nothing ever. I mean, that's the only way that I know how you could possibly avoid stress and then you'd probably be stressed about the fact that you were in that room doing nothing so you you can't avoid it here's the thing you have to learn to handle it when it comes so what does the bible say about stress and how we deal with stress well james 1 verse 2 through 8 count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. So see, the Bible says that what God does is he takes the things that are meant for our destruction, those stressful moments, and he says, count it all joy that you have those because those are a source of growth for you. That's how God matures you and makes you more resilient and makes you stronger. Here's another scripture, 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. See, this is how, as believers, we face stressful things that present themselves in our lives. Some days are gonna have more stress than others, but we have to navigate that stress successfully because God wants us to live a blessed life. Can I have an amen? All right, here's another myth, another myth. Well, it's just my personality. I'm an anxious person by nature. Paul, I'm just a worrier. Now, we've probably heard that. You may have even said that. But once again, I want to remind us all, when you are born again, you gain a new nature. And, I, and I'm not talking about like, you, you know, we're gritting our teeth trying to be different. I'm talking about literally when we are born again, we are born again. There is the first birth that is of water. It's our natural birth, but there's a second birth that is spiritual. And that's when the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ comes and lives inside of us. And we literally get a new heart and a new mind. I'm a completely different person than I was when I, whenever it was 30, almost 40 years ago when I met Christ. I, you, couldn't even you, you couldn't even imagine the kind of person that I was. I'm completely different all because of Jesus. So, you know, if it's just the way you are, then there's no hope and, and you can't change it. And, and, you know, but that, now, 
I get it, I understand, you know, you, you can't change your height, and you can't change your skin color, and you can't change your family. I mean, that's, that's just, or your thumbprint, or your eye color. But the Word of God can change how you respond. In every situation, it can change how you respond. We've been talking about faith all year long. And one of the things that we've discussed as we talk about faith is, is, you know, oftentimes worry in your life is a sign of little faith. And, and the great thing about your faith is your faith can grow. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing the word of God, hearing truth. So our whole goal this year is we have been talking about the just shall live by faith. Our goal has been to preach the word so that we can all grow in our faith and we can all mature to that place that God wants to bring us to as mature, blessed, effective kingdom leaders. So you can have more faith and that's why we've been preaching it. Another myth, medication is the only way to manage anxiety. Medication is the only way to manage anxiety. Well, the fact is, Jesus is the real answer. He's the real answer. And I can say that with full confidence because he's been the real answer in my life. And I've watched Jesus be the real answer in people that I know who have been through incredibly difficult, hard, stressful circumstances. Who, who really, they, you know, they, they, they probably shouldn't even be normal. They ought to be in a, in a, in a terrible place, but they're, but they're not. They're not. And once again, I, I'm, I'm not against medication, and that's not what this sermon is about. That's not even my focus. But, but church, my goal is to not be on medication. That's my goal. My goal isn't to be on more and more and more. My goal is that the Holy Spirit can come into my life and the Holy Spirit can be the power and the medicine and the healing and the comfort and the power and the grace and the mercy and the strength that gets me through whatever situation I've faced in life. You know, I've been in some really difficult situations and faced some really hard things and, and I've had people make recommendations to me about different things and you know, it, my first pursuit was always Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was always, He was always the one that I pursued first and foremost. And, and here's what I found. When I put Him first, all those other things oftentimes were not necessary. I did not even need them. So just, you know, just laying out some myths and some facts for us. Now, I want to I give you a scripture. Go to Matthew chapter 6 with me, and let's look at this together. Now, this is going to be a familiar passage to you. You've read this before. We've all read it before. But it's good to be reminded. Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus gives us the antidote for peace. He, Jesus gives us the, the medication that we need to help us live a life free of anxiety, free of worry, free of depression, right here in the Scripture. Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now that's a commandment. Now, now, now I want you to notice that is a commandment. Now God would not command us not to be anxious if we were incapable of not being. Now, I understand, and, and once again, I want to be sensitive because I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. This is not the goal of what I'm preaching. And I, I did clarify at the beginning, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist, and I'm not a counselor, and I'm not even assuming that role. I do understand that we have anxious moments. I, I, I've been around people who have had anxiety attacks. I get that. But what I am saying is, is that the Word of God is the source and the remedy for our needs. That I can say with full assurance of faith. 
Now, it says, do not be anxious about, anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you're going to put on it. And we can just go on and add all kinds of things to that. Where you're going to live, who you're going to marry, what kind of car you're going to drive, what kind of job you're going to have, how much money you're going to make, what you're going to be doing five years from now, what your future holds, your health, da-da-da-da-da. We can just put all of that in there because all that goes in there. He's just talking about life. Verse 26, look at the birds. They neither sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. As a matter of fact, he moves on my heart to go spend my hard-earned money to buy bird seed to put in a bird feeder, and they come eat out of my backyard. How many of y'all do that, right? God has a way of taking care of his creation. And he goes on to say, are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what will I eat, or what will I drink, or what will I wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first, look at this, seek first the kingdom of God. Remember we're talking about intake, what you intake into your life, what you watch, what you listen to, who you spend time with, what you eat, what you drink, all of these things. All of these things have to fall into their proper order, and the first order is seek first what? the kingdom, and his righteousness. And then all these other things that you can find yourself being anxious about, God will take care of. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So as we move into this Christmas season, the busyness of this Christmas season, and there's a there's a uh, for many of us, there's a lot going on. For some of you, there's not as much going on. But it is different. It is different, and it is a busy time. I, I just want to give you some things that I think can be very helpful. Number one, don't insert yourself in God's place. Don't insert yourself in God's place. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, drink, nor your body, what you will put on it is not life more than food and your body more than clothing. Life is more than just material possessions. As a matter of fact, you know, our younger crowd in here, our young adult crowd, when you're older, a lot of things that are really important to you right now are not going to matter at all. Trust me. There are things that you concern yourself with. And there are things that you don't concern yourself with. Things that you do concern yourself with would be your character, your integrity, your walk with God. These are things that you concern yourself with. Things that you don't worry about, that you don't get anxious about, is the kind of car you're going to drive or your clothes or where you're going to live or the food you're going to eat. These should not be at the top of your list. Now, once again, one of the things I said was don't insert yourself in God's place. It's real easy when we have a loved one that's not saved, a husband that's not saved, a wife that's not saved, a kid that's a rebel. You know, it's real easy to put ourselves in God's place. I remember a picture that Tim had in his office years ago, and I believe he's mentioned this before, but I, but I do remember this picture when I was a student here at Applied Life, and it said two immutable laws of the universe. Number one, there is a God. Number two, you are not him. But when we try to put ourselves in God's place, we will become overwhelmed because that's not what God designed us to do. God designed us to trust in him and to give our burdens over to him. It says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It says that he will give us a peace that passes all understanding. And you can just know when you move out of peace, 
what you are doing is you are probably inserting yourself in God's place and you have no business being there. Make sure that you put God in his place and you keep your concerns where they need to be. Amen. Number two, know you are very, very important to God. You're important to God. Verse 26 tells us, talks about the birds of the air and how they don't reap and they don't gather into barns, yet God takes care of them. And he talks about how much more valuable we are than all of God's creation. We are the apex of God's creation. We're very, very important to God. You are very important to God. As a matter of fact, you're God's prized creation and you're God's prized possession. And if God provides for the animals, you can know God's going to provide for you. And God's going to provide for your family. The, the last thing that you want to do at Christmas time is stress yourself out over money and stress yourself out over how am I going to pay for all of this? Well, and just practically, maybe you don't need to. Maybe you don't need to buy that. Maybe, you know, just speaking wisdom, you know, maybe that's not at this season of your life. Maybe buying that or making that purchase isn't what you need to get. I know you want to bless them, but, you know, lots of times, you know, people just as much have your company and your presence as they would any kind of gift. So it's just important to remember, but you're important to God. You're more important to God than anything else that he's created. And, and, and really, this is the foundation for overcoming anxiety. Do you know who God is? He's your heavenly father. Do you know who you are? You're his child, and he cares for you, and he cares about you. Another thing that I think is very helpful is know that worry makes nothing better. Worry doesn't make anything better. Verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. Yet I'll tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed like these. Nobody ever said, Man, I don't know how I made it, but worrying about it pulled me through. You know, nobody's ever said that. That's, worry has never accomplished that for anybody. Has worry ever made your life better? Never. Has worry ever healed you of sickness? Never. Has worry ever brought you more money? No. Has worry ever, help, worry ever helped you make an A on a test? No. Or get a, or get a promotion? No. See, you can't make your life better by worrying. And that's, that's why Jesus gave us this recipe. See, this, this recipe here, it, I mean, you talk about a prescription for life. This is it. This is how you live life. This is how we navigate the Christmas season with joy and happiness and power and peace. Verse 28 through 30 you got to know that God cares about you, okay? And, and I mentioned, mentioned before that you're very important to God, but I also want you to know that, that God cares about you. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. Even Solomon, all of his glory, wasn't arrayed like any of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. God cares for the grass. He makes every season come and go. He oversees the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun every single day. If God is capable of doing all of that, that we just simply can't understand the miracle of it, he is more than capable of taking care of you in your little problems. I think worry really reveals how our faith is weak and it needs to grow. And I just always pay attention to that. When I start worrying, I remind myself, okay, wait a minute, you're moving out of faith. You're moving out of faith. We're, see, we, when we get into worry, we're doubting that God can take care of us and God wants to take care of us. Here's another pointer. Lots of people... I'm, I'm sorry, lost people are anxious. Saved people aren't. 
because we know something different and we, we walk in a different position with God. So I want to encourage you, don't act like a lost person. Don't act like one. See, for a pagan, life is all about what they wear, how they look, what kind of car they drive, what kind of house they have, how much money they make. That, that is what pagans do. That is a selfish pursuit of life. And they're always worrying about money. Money, 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 money. I've met so many people, even in ministry, it's like money is their whole focus. And Jesus clearly said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll despise the one and hate the other. You, you know, you, you just can't do that. You have to put God first. And saved people, what they do is, is they find God's heart and they find God's thoughts and they meditate on God's heart and God's thoughts. They don't meditate on the things that lost people meditate on. They don't worry about the things that lost people worry about. Verse 34 says, Tomorrow will worry about itself. Today's grace is sufficient for today's troubles. And I can promise you, Jesus will meet you right where you're at. Right where you're at. And that, that, listen, that's Jesus' talk. I'm, it's not just good vibes. I'm not talking about just having a positive attitude, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is Jesus himself will meet you where you are. And he will help you. How many of y'all have ever had Jesus come through for you? Come on. Yes. Now just look around the room. Keep your hand up. Just look around the room. Those of you that are watching by live stream, there's hands all over our auditorium that are up. Now, there's some common mistakes that people make. <clears throat> common mistakes. One mistake is believing everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. Now, you can't determine every thought that comes into your mind, but you can control what you do with it. I'm going to say that again. You can't control every thought that comes into your mind, but you can determine what you do with that thought. And, you know, a big problem with our, gener our generation is we, we care way too much about what we think and not nearly enough about what God's Word says. We put more weight on what we think than what God says. And that is a recipe for being anxious, being stressed, and being depressed. That'll move you into that place. I want to encourage you, don't try to fight battles on your own. You have a great counselor within you. He is right there with you all the time. He is your ever-present help in times of need, and the Holy Spirit will meet you right where you're at. So don't try to fight battles on your own. Not only that, you've got great people in your life. God has seen to it that he puts good people in our lives to help us and to bless us. We have some of the most quality mentors in this congregation out of anywhere I've ever been. And if you need help, if you are lonely, we have people in this place that can give you wise counsel. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in an abundance of counselors there is victory. Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools suffer harm. See, it's foolish to go to someone who is currently struggling with the same condition that you're struggling with. They can't tell you how to get out of that because they're in it themselves. Now, not that you can't pray with each other, but you got to be very, very careful. You know, the, the thing about going to somebody who's in a similar situation as you are, oftentimes what you do is, is you get together and you just feed each other's flesh. You don't feed the spirit man in that person's life. And we have a responsibility when we counsel people and when we speak into their life that we're not feeding their flesh but we're speaking to the Spirit of God within them. And, and here's the thing. When you speak to a person of faith, they will respond to a word of faith. 
they will rise up and grab hold of that thing, man, and they will begin to move forward. So I, I, I just want to encourage us, you know, just and, and, and even practically, you know, be, be consistent. Maintain a consistent schedule. I mean, think about your physical body. You know, your body's going to be affected if you're not eating right, you're not taking care of yourself, you're not exercising, you're not doing the things that you know you need to be doing. Then your physical body is going to respond to that. Second Thessalonians 3.16, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. I mean, God is with us everywhere we go, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. The Holy Spirit is right there, a source of help and comfort and healing to all of us. Now, I want to just give a couple of final thoughts. I haven't talked much about depression, but I do want to just mention a couple of things about it. One of the main symptoms of depression, and you can read about this, it's in any article that you read, the, 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 the main symptoms of depression are loneliness and isolation. And anybody that's ever dealt with depression or has struggled with depression, you know what I'm talking about. There is an enemy that wants to get you isolated because he can attack you there. He can tell you lies in that place. He can cut you off from good counsel, and that's one of the, the, the first symptoms that you can recognize if you're dealing with depression or thoughts that depress you is you tend to want to isolate and be by yourself. And this place where the devil puts you is a place where he begins to lie to you. The devil will tell you things like, you're not worthy, Nobody cares about you. Your problem's too big for God to fix. You're the only one going through this. Nobody's dealing with this problem like you are. You can't tell anybody about the darkness that you're dealing with or the struggles that you're having because they will reject you. You can't tell anybody because you don't want to put this on them and weight them down this time of year with your problems. And so what Satan uses is isolation. It's his biggest tool to defeat us. He wants to cut us off, number one, from the Trinity, the best community in the world. And then he wants to cut us off from people who the Trinity moves through, who the Holy Spirit and the anointing and the Word of God flows through. Now, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I just want to encourage our church, you know, um, this time of the year, I think it would be important for you to know that people struggle with depression and loneliness this time of the year more than any other time of the year. Be aware of that. Pay attention. Look, if you see somebody by themselves, then you can fix that. Go talk to them. Spend time with them. Go have lunch with them. Pray over them. Let, let's be the body of Christ. Let, let's be people that can make a difference. We're not just going to leave people in their loneliness and in their depression. No, God's called us to help people. Now, I want to end with this. If you are battling depression, here's some practical advice that can help you. Number one, spend time in prayer. Get in your closet. Get in your secret place and pray. And I encourage you, don't pray your problems. You pray the word. And, and you pray it out loud so you can hear it. You, you pray, God, here's what your promise is for me. You have made me the head and not the tail. You have made me above and not beneath. If you are for me, who can be against me? See, these are the kinds of prayers 
that you pray when you're overcoming your enemy in your life. Another thing you can do is worship and read your word. Man, so important. That's some of the best advice that I can give anybody. Another thing that you can do, and this is going to be hard, and you're going to have to push yourself to do this because if you're depressed, you don't want to do this. But get involved in your church and serve. You know, I, I just don't have a lot of time to be depressed. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I probably could be. If I had time on my hands and I sat around and I thought about all the things that had happened to me in my life, I, I could probably be depressed. But I don't have time to be depressed because I'm too busy serving other people. I don't have time to sit. You know, if I had time to sit around and think about it, okay, but I don't because I got to be here and then I got to go here and then I got this responsibility and I'm in the play production and I got to go teach class and then I got church on Wednesday night and I got to study for that because I got to preach. So I got to invest, you know, at least a couple of days in study and well, and then, you know, I've got this I've got to be at and well, and you know, I got to go to Sawyer's basketball game because I'm trying to support Sawyer in his, in his high school career. And so I can't sit at home and be depressed because I got to go to the basketball game and support him. You know, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? There's just, a, there's just a lot that goes in with that. Another thing, go outside. Get some vitamin D. Get some sunshine. Walk in the woods. Enjoy the outdoors. Another thing, get you a habit of consistent exercise. Find a friend that's exercising. Start working out with them. Just start out walking. Join Run for God. Exercise will do everything in the world for you. Another thing, stop eating junk food. Stop eating that mess. Eat healthier. Get to bed at a decent hour. Don't stay up all hours of the night. Get plenty of rest. Here's another thing that can help you. Limit your social media and news exposure. Those people will do nothing but depress you because all they talk about is the negative 24 hours a day. In church, I'm just going to let you know, Tim, me, Josh, our families, we don't watch much of the news. And I'm very careful about what type of news I allow into my life. Normally, if I'm going to get any news, it's going to be the Daily Wire. That's where I'm going to get the majority of my news. I'm just not watching all of that stuff. Here's another thing I think is very helpful. Stop watching scary movies. Don't allow darkness into your home and into your life. Now, I get it. Oh, he's being overly spiritual. He's one of those hyper-spiritual Christians. No, that's, that's really not my heart. I'm just saying you've got to be aware of how the enemy comes into your life and into your, and into your home, and you've got to be really protective over, once again, everything that you're doing, you're doing in view of the 40-year-old you or the future you, whatever you're allowing into your life. And the last thing I want to say, find a hobby. Find something you enjoy doing. You know, I've got several things that I enjoy doing, and I do them, and I try to do them on a weekly basis. Tim rides horses. He loves that. I work on motorcycles and ride them. I love that. I have other outlets that I do. I think it's important for you to have that kind of outlet. And lastly, if your depression has been long-lasting and you've tried all that I've discussed, then you probably need to go see a Christian counselor. And, and let them help you. There's a good possibility. And there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that you're not a leader. That doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. That doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. That doesn't mean anything. That just means maybe you need a little extra help for a season in your life. And you can go see somebody who can give you some good advice and help you. But this Christmas season, as I close, I, I want our church to be blessed. Our heart. You know, listen. When you're happy and you're blessed, your leadership is happy and blessed. It's hard for us to be happy and blessed if you're not, because we care about you. We love you. You're, you're the sheep that God has given us to watch over. We want you to be blessed by God. I want to encourage you. God's got fresh grace for you every day. God's got new mercy for you every morning. Receive it receive it 
if you're waking up every day and beating yourself up and thinking God is mad at you, well, then you're probably a Hindu. You're sure not a Christian. So don't think like a Hindu. Think like a Christian. God is for you. He died for you. He rose to life for you. He sent the Holy Spirit for you. He gave you your common sense. He gave you his word. He gave you nine fruit of the Spirit and nine gifts of the Spirit. He has given us everything that we need to have a life of victory and joy and blessings and peace. That's what God has done for us. So I want to wish everybody in our church a very merry, happy Christmas time enjoy it and be blessed amen amen stand with me we'll pray together father we thank you we love you god be with us this christmas season lord help our perspectives be right lord we don't want to be people who murmur and complain help us to find your goodness and your blessings and to be thankful and grateful for everything that you've done for us because you've done so much so much lord God, help us with our attitudes. Help us to keep our eyes on you and your blessings this Christmas season. And Lord, I just pray for each and every person that's listening on our live stream or by podcast. I pray your healing hand upon them. I pray your comfort and your strength. God, I pray that they feel your presence right now, even those in our auditorium, may they feel your presence even right now in their lives, Lord. And God, may you encourage each and every one of us Realign our hearts, realign our thinking. Bless us, Lord, and draw us closer to you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you and have a great night. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless. Thank you.